our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hi, Sim. Hey, Sonia. How are you? I think this episode calls for a little bit of a life update because we haven't done one in a little while. Well, I think the thing is we asked our community if they like to hear us talk at the start about our lives and people were like, no. (laughs) So should we not do it then? Well, I think we should do it every now and again, just for like, you know, the 50% that did want to listen. In. <laughs> yeah, look, we're being very dramatic. There was a high percentage of people who were like, no, we love hearing Sim and Sonia updates. And I think we can do it when the episode calls for it. And I think this is just going to be more of a conversational type hot take, you know, episode. So do you have any life updates? Honestly, no, for once. Do you? You have no updates the past few months that we have not given these people what we're doing, what's up with our lives. You have no updates. I guess the only update I have is that I went to like a writer's festival and it was like a launch and I was like to one of my colleagues, I was like, should I go to this? And she was like, honestly, I don't think so. You don't need to. And then I was like, but Rupi Kaur is in the country. And so if Rupi Kaur is in the country and it's a writer's festival, maybe they invited her to it because I know they invited her like seven years ago when she was you know, obviously a lot smaller. So I'll just go and maybe I'll meet Rupi Kaur there. I did not meet Rupi Kaur there. She did not turn up. It was an interesting experience. And yeah, just, I want to see Rupi Kaur. And one of my friends was like, why don't we just like fly to see her? And I was like, where? Like, that's just stalker behavior. But Rupi Kaur is coming to Auckland, yes? Yes, I am going to see her tonight as a fan. <laughs> so in conclusion, Sim still gets to meet Rupi Kaur. Like, don't get to meet her. I just get to see her on stage. Still. I remember when we went to Ruby Call when we were still in high school and because we went with another person, all three of us, we were just like crying. Oh my God. Yes, we cried, didn't we? Yeah. And we got to meet her. She held my hand. Did she? Yeah, she did. And then the person that was next to her, because obviously we had to keep her pushing, was like, okay, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> and I was like, we're we having a moment here. And like, you're just alone. Rupi, give Rupi time. She like is feeling this. 
Now, before we begin, we want to take a moment to thank our season sponsor for powering this week's episode. Are you ready to take control of your financial future and you don't know where to begin? Meet Perla, the Aussie investing platform that makes it easy for anyone to invest in the stock market and build a sensible, diversified portfolio. With Perla, you can start investing with as little as $5. Perla's unique community-driven experience guides you through the process of selecting your investment goals, creating a portfolio tailored to your needs and tracking your progress over time. One of the things that we love most about Perla is their commitment to financial education. Perla commits to empowering investors through tools like template portfolios with access to easier investing and supportive community connections. Perla also offers great insight and data that help pave the way for equitable investing. Their research finds women are investing more of their income than men and more women invest on their platform than men. Perla also walks the walk with open pay transparency to help facilitate open conversations about wage, roles and opportunities within the financial industry. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all the options, Perla's platform is intuitive and easy to use with powerful tools that give you control over your investments. You can track your portfolio's performance, set up automatic investments and even invite friends and family to invest alongside you. Don't wait to start building your financial future. Check out Perla.com today and start investing in your goals. What are we talking about today? We are talking about something that has come up a few times and it is our unpopular opinions within the finance community. I think if we do one thing well, it is share our opinions, but we always share like the things that we like, the things that we do, the things we invest in, but I want to turn it up a notch and share the things we don't like and the things we won't do and the things we aren't interested in because I think there is some beauty in being transparent and being like, hey, I do like XYZ, but I'm actually not a big fan of this and this and that. And I think it's healthy to have things you don't like. I mean, that's what I tell myself. Maybe I'm just a hater through and through, but I think balance is good. I think balance is good too. And I think these hot takes, it gives people an insight to who Sim and Sonia are. And we don't just go along with the flow just because everyone's saying it. You know, we question things. Let us demonstrate our own critical thinking skills. <laughs> Let us show us that we too have thoughts that have not come from like <laughs> chat GPT. Okay, I'm going to start off with something that might be controversial right off the bat. And that is you are allowed to have a job just for the check, just for the money. I say it's controversial, but I do think that there is a sort of shift in how we view jobs in general. And I think it's okay that you go to a job and you do what you were hired to do and you just meet the confinements of what you were hired to do. Like you're not trying to go above and beyond. You get a paycheck every week, every fortnight, every month. You have a very comfortable life outside of work and you know that your job doesn't define you. I mean it in a sense of hopefully you're not in a toxic environment, you know, and you're not in bad mental health or poor mental health, but you're just not interested in climbing the corporate ladder. And look, we all live in this world of capitalism at the current moment, and we do need money to live. I think it's okay that you do that. Okay. I have a question for you because my actual unpopular opinion after you is a little bit different to this and so I wanted to ask you 
Why do you think it is that we have such an emphasis on like our job equaling our worth? You know how people are like, oh, I'm just a teacher. And you're like, that's not a just, like that's not a, you're only a teacher. Like that's fantastic. You're changing kids' lives. Like you're having such an impact on people. It's a very highly skilled job. You have to go to like college for it. But why do you think we put such like a, oh, well, I'm not seen so highly in other people's eyes because of the work I do. But we don't do that for like our hair color. Someone argued that people do that for their hair color. Okay. Who? Do you judge me for having black hair? (laughs) Okay. This is so funny to me. (laughs) I was on TikTok as I usually am. And there's actually apparently a hierarchy to whiteness. And I didn't know this. And it has to do with their hair color. So blondes get treated better than brunettes or redheads. And it's just such a, your, your eyes are glazing over. You've gone blank. It's such a tangent. I'm not, I'm not glazing. <laughs> it's not relevant. <laughs> Do you view people like that? No, not at all. To answer your question, I think that the advice of you just need to get a good job and work in that good job and stay in that job for 20 plus years and you'll be fine comes from our parents and the generation before them. It's like such an ingrained part of society because I think it equals like social status. Do you know what I mean? Like if you have a good job, then you're probably living a particular lifestyle. You are in leadership or whatever, or you're a business owner. Like people just respect you a little bit more. Like it's not right, but I think we're shifting away from it. Have you ever felt like you've been judged for your jobs? Like when you tell people what you do? Not now, hopefully. Absolutely. Oh, like in the past? And I was going to say the job I do now I get judged for. And I have a very specific example that I've probably told a few times, but I still can't believe that this happened. When we went to LA for the first time and the border patrol person, they were like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a podcaster. (laughs) The shame that I felt just even saying that at the time. And then the blank look that he gave me, I was like, I don't know how to expand. <laughs> like, I get that. I was like flying home. I think this was the same trip. We were like flying home and we arrived back into New Zealand and the same thing happened. They're like, what do you do? And I was like, podcaster. And she was like, oh, what podcast? And obviously no one had heard of it at the time. And she was like, I'll give it a listen. And I was like, great. I like recruited someone from like Border Patrol New Zealand to like join it <laughs> on the GTI community. <laughs> I will say there's like some situations where I think it's smart to like keep your job even when you're not enjoying it. So for example, if you're actually in a deep financial hole, like you've got a lot of debt, you need the check to clear to pay off your debts and to like do certain things and you don't have other streams of income or savings built up yet where you can take time off. Like I think sometimes people will make you feel a certain type of way and they're like, just let the job go or just quit. And it's like a very rushed decision, but there are situations where it's okay to have a job just for the check for a certain amount of time. How controversial is that? Or is that just normal now? I don't know. I just feel like it's not that controversial. I feel like, I don't know if it's just like the New York Times articles that keep coming out, but it's this like idea of quiet quitting and like take time and like Gen Z don't want to work and Gen Z don't want to like put in more hours than usual. And I know those are not true facts, but I think we've just like constantly heard about it. Like if you are on Reddit or have heard of Reddit, if you haven't, it's like an app or a website where there's lots of like forums and there's this one thread or one forum called anti-work and it has like millions of people subscribe to it and they have hundreds of posts daily. And it's just about people sharing screenshots of like 
their employers doing dumb things like hey can you come in like tomorrow at like 6 a.m and they're like it's like 8 p.m like you need to give me more time and then the employer will be like no like this is expected of you or like really intense signs on their workplace like all patrons must like have their cell phone switched off at all times during work hours and it's like 50 font bold put on like the staff wall like I guess they're more American because like American corporate culture is insane but yeah I think we're seeing like more people being honest about some of the crappiness they experience yeah my unpopular opinion with the finance community is something that honestly has changed for myself in the last like four years if you had asked me personally four years ago if I thought that it was okay to do these things I would have said no but I think as I have grown slightly older like I see the benefit and that is that it is okay to spend money on things that are actually materialistic but that's still with like an asterisk I think if you are someone that is super frugal like the way I was growing up and probably like frugal to your core I think it is okay to have one or two nice pieces in your life that you can splurge on if you have the means to because for people that are in the frugal community I'm going to call it a community like if you're someone like myself that is like being okay with living on like $13 t-shirts and like sometimes maybe not eating because you're like well I don't want to spend money going out on lunch so I'm just going to like wait till I get home and like push off lunch for an hour like that is terrible I'm not proud of it but that's just like the way frugal people think and so to start changing my mind like I saw something that just had such an impact on me. There was this real estate agent and he was saying that he bought an expensive car because when he drove that car and then turned up to do deals, he felt like he showed up better. And that had such like a weird impact on me. And I was like, oh, like if I want to wear like a nice pair of shoes or like maybe a more expensive top or just something that it's not for other people, but I feel better in it. I'm going to show up better in my job or I'm going to show up better in meetings and I'm going to probably end up making that money back by like feeling and looking more confident. Because if you think about it, if someone turns up and they're in a Honda, how likely are you to be like, this girl's got her crap together, like I want to do business with her? Even though that's not how we should think about people, this is like my controversial opinion. Yeah. It's not that I disagree, it's just that I've never come across commentary like that or, like, experienced it because, for me, what I've seen, especially, like, on social media, is, like, the opposite. People treat themselves too much to, like, look a particular way. This is just really showing what communities we're a part of, obviously, her being. I was just going to say, this is our algorithm coming out. (laughs) Like, me being just, like, impulse spender and then you being on the other side like you get shamed to every cent that you spent it's not that I don't agree it's just I've never experienced that or I don't have people that think that way in terms of the example that you use I completely understand where the realtor's coming from because when you are in particular professions you're going to look a certain type of way if you show up dressed nicely if you show up in a particular car like if I'm buying a house off someone and someone rocked up in like a 2003 Pontiac, you know, like how would I feel? And it's not right. What's a 2003 Pontiac? Do you know what that is? I feel like that might be a nice car. I have no idea. I Is a Pontiac a car? I'm pretty sure it is. 2003 Pony. No, can you please Google it? <laughs> Let me have a look at this. 
Oh my goodness, it's like those silver sedans that they show you in school when it's like, if a man comes up in a car like this and offers you like candy, don't go in. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. But that's what it speaks to my point. It speaks to the realtor's point. Like if he rocked up in this and not a BMW and, you know, what was his clients think? And also what area of like the state or country that you're selling in are you in? Like who are your clients? You just have to think about that. I think that's smart business and smart marketing. I just think for so long I was like so hell bent on being like, no, I can look and dress exactly how I want, which is like in jeans and a top that probably has a stain on it. Like Sonia and I were recording yesterday and there was coffee dripping down my top and like that's just fine. Like I, I walked around in public all day with like, a, I went to a business meeting actually yesterday with coffee stain on my top. Now that I think about it. Wow, she's not like other girls. Yeah, it was embarrassing. I was like, hey, like we should do so-and-so together. And then like I left and I was like, hmm, okay, that's fine. I think there's a difference between overspending and depriving yourself of anything that brings you joy to professionalism, to treating yourself like once every six months when your budget allows it. I think everything in life has to do with balance and also what feels good to you. Yeah. And I think this like experience got really heightened when I went on a girl's trip, like a female founder's trip and all the other girls were so well-dressed, well-presented and I didn't bring anything on the trip. I had to borrow their dress. I had to borrow their makeup. I had to borrow their like shoes like it was so bad like it was my fault I was underprepared but I think the issue I had was I felt rude like I felt rude for not coming and presenting my best self in an environment where other people were presenting their best self and so I think it's an unpopular opinion at least with like people that are frugal to spend money to make yourself look slash feel good but I'm trying to change it up in certain situations yeah and I hope you forgive me who me the frugal community. Oh, who cares? Another hot take, I think, within the personal finance community is that I think we're getting to a point where you need to understand or finance influences. I say that in quotation marks because I don't know if that's what people like to label themselves as. Need to understand that I think that most people, especially in this day and age, they just don't have enough money, period. And it's not always financial illiteracy that is the problem. What I mean by that is I think 
that financial literacy is obviously very important and budgeting and being frugal, all three of those things, they can only take you so far when the total income that you're earning is not even like living wage. Like how are you going to look at someone in the eye and this person works two, maybe three jobs, they don't have the time or energy to look at side hustles or other streams of income just yet, but you're going to look at them, they've paid their rent, they've paid their utilities, they've paid all their bills, they don't have that much left over to save and invest and you're saying to them that they're the problem, that you just need a budget queen. I think people underestimate the cost of living crisis, especially when you're not experiencing those same struggles because you still have your job or you're able to just work one job or you're able to share expenses or you're able to go back and live with your parents or what have you. I think the amount of TikToks or Instagram content or tweets that I've seen that emphasize that it's your financial illiteracy, not living costs that are the problem. And it grinds my gears. Like it's something that genuinely boils my blood. Like I get that it's somewhat of a hot take in this community, but it's just atrocious. I completely agree. I think at the end of the day, if we are trying to like help people improve their financial literacy, because you know, some people might look at us and call us influencers or influencers that talk about money. I think you have to have like a level of, I don't know, empathy. I feel like it's just like the bare minimum to be like, hey, for those that can, like these are our tips. But not everyone can. And for some of us, like the cost of living crisis is the highest it's been for like in our entire lifetimes. And I view shame in the financial community in the same way that I view shame in like religion. Like, you know how like in religion, it's like, you should do this. Otherwise, like this bad thing will happen to you and it's your fault. And like, you need discipline and this and that. I think finance can sometimes feel that same way. Like if you're trying to shame me into getting better with my money or telling me like, if you can't manage this amount, you can't manage that amount. Like, learn to be good with your like ten dollars that you have i think that's really unfair yeah because what's the bit that they're already feeling those things and then you're just like kicking someone when they're down you know i don't think anyone who lives paycheck to paycheck or has to work multiple jobs and have families to feed like i don't think they're thriving anyway and for you to use those emotions and vulnerable people it's just not a very nice thing to do Like, have a shred of empathy, you know? Is this controversial? It's not controversial, but I think it's unpopular in the finance community. Obviously, we're not going to name and shame, but, like, there are certain influences on, like, TikTok and stuff that you would think that with everything going on in the world and, like, the feedback that they get that they would respond in more of an empathetic manner. But I feel like people still hold on to it. Just work hard, you know? My final one is kind of in contradiction to something that we've said earlier, but I truly think that when it comes to jobs, we have, I don't want to say unrealistic expectation of what a job is meant to bring you, but I think this is truly an unpopular opinion because, again, this was something I used to feel until, I guess, in the last like two or three years, have seen the different side of it, which is... I think we believe that a job should bring us fulfillment and I think we believe a job should bring us happiness but then it also should like satisfy like our social desires to like spend time with people and then also should like give us salary raises and bonuses but 
I think we also then sometimes have a culture of, but I will do just like what I need to do. Like I will just do my job description, but I still would like a bonus or like a pay increase at the end of the year. And I have two ways about this. On one hand, I'm like, I agree. Like people should just be like, for the cost of living, I think salaries should always be adjusted to like continue to pay people so that the cost of living does not get impacted. Like if inflation is up 7%, like your job, in my like humble opinion, should be paying you at least a 7% increase so that you're making the same amount based off inflation. But I think my controversial opinion is that I don't think in like good conscience I could ask for a pay rise with like not at least trying to show a level of like here are like at least five points or like three points or two points of things that I have done to like improve and better and like here's like a little bit of work I've done therefore I should get a pay rise. I think sometimes online and in conversations I've had with some of my friends and probably conversations I used to have I used to be like I'm owed a pay rise as opposed to like actually I'm not owed anything I'm not even owed a job like at the end of the day I'm being hired to do a job but you sometimes start to feel like it's a right I think being treated with respect is a right I think having inflation adjusted salary raises are a right which is also controversial but I don't think being paid more because that's just the right thing to do or because I've bought a home, therefore I should like get a higher salary or I've got a child now, like you should pay me more. I don't think that's something we should expect if we also then believe in like quiet quitting and doing the bare minimum. And I get that that's very controversial. I get that that's very capitalism of me, but this is what the episode's about. So I am putting it out there. I disagree. <laughs> My thing is, is that this is so like, you've said it so eloquently, like your position that I'm not even going to, I don't know how to properly articulate my thoughts, but I just know in my heart that I disagree with what you've said. <laughs> Why do you disagree? Because I think that's fair. That's what's a healthy conversation is. Y- yeah, we disagree all the time. Like one thing is, is that Sim and I are not afraid to be honest with each other. But the thing is, is that I get those things. I don't think that you should get a raise just because you bought a house or because like your own expenditure has gone up. I do think yearly salary increases should be a thing regardless of you doing the bare minimum or whatever. But I think we've been conditioned to care about our jobs so much. And I think that companies, when they hire you, they often like will say all this stuff, like this is what you're going to receive in your job. This is the development that you'll have. These are the increases that you could potentially see. This is how fast you'll like progress. And they really try to sell you and entice you to come work with them. In my head, it's kind of like recruiting for the army. That's how intense some people are. And you're sold this vision and then you get to work and you're like, what is this? More specifically, when you're like in college or uni and People are constantly like your professors and if you're an intern, like seniors at companies, they really sell you this vision of what working is going to be like. And then when you get there, I mean, you've seen it. You've seen those memes of like when you clock into your first 40 hour job and you're like, what is this? It's not it. It's disappointing. I think realistically your manager or HR or whatever at your company, like they're not your therapist. They're not going to solve like every single problem in your life. But I don't think it's crazy to expect more than just a check every week. See, I think that's where we disagree. So you think that when you work for a company, they just owe you the check? Well, I think we should ask for more. But if we think about what we're owed, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Like a company that doesn't 
do more than just like pay you is not a good company in my opinion. Like a company that goes above and beyond is a great company. It's going to be the one that hires the best talent. It's going to be the one that does the most. But I think maybe what I'm trying to get at is like at the end of the day, we're actually owed nothing. Like no one owes us in life. Like we signed a contract to work for a company. And like if we're thinking about like, I don't know, Apple, like Apple is a huge company. And for them, I think we expect a lot from the work that we do. We expect happiness, fulfillment, obviously financial satisfaction should be there. And we expect all these things. And then, but if you look from these like big companies, we're really just numbers for them. And they don't actually owe us career progression and happiness and fulfillment and job satisfaction. If we don't do that, they're just going to find someone else. Yeah. I think the quiet quitting and doing the bare minimum in your job and not going above and beyond, it's a direct retaliation to corporate companies that very much so think of employees as numbers, like stories about how employees have like had a heart attack in the parking lot and the job posting has been up not even 24 hours later. Like all of that energy coming from employees and you know, millennials and Gen Z who are working to change the narrative and the mindset around jobs and capitalism in general. I think that's because we've had enough from like the company. So I get what you mean, actually. Same energy, keeping them equal. Same energy, keeping them equal. But yeah, I know it's a hot take because I think when I say something like this, I'm so scared it's going to come across like a slippery slope of like, oh, well, if she thinks that like companies don't owe us things, does she think that it's okay for them to like, you know, do the bare minimum? I don't. If people might think like, oh, well, do you then believe that it's okay that companies like don't pay people well or like they don't give salary raises? I honestly like would not ever want to work for a company like that or encourage anyone I know to work for a company like that. I just think we hope for more, or I at least used to hope for more. And I think I was quite naive as to like what I thought a job could give me. And it wasn't until I left that job that I realized at the end of the day, I was just a number and they didn't owe me a thing. And I can't be mad at them because like they literally owe me nothing. I'm just a person that did a job for them until I wasn't. I think the internet just loves putting words in people's mouths that's not what you're saying at all and if anyone does put words in your mouth just send them to me I have no issue with replying back it's one thing that I'm good at is responding okay and reacting (laughs) once I was like going through it it was January 2022 I like got a really mean DM and it was you know what I take it back it wasn't even that mean I just was having a rough day and I like FaceTime Sonia crying and like sent her the screenshot. I was like, look at what someone sent us. Well, sent me because it was directed at me. And Sonia was like, let me talk to her. I was like, it's okay. I deleted the message. It was so embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, let's talk to her and let's have a chat. I'm happy to have a call. Oh, you're so scary. I fear you. (laughs) The thing is, is that I'm very defensive when it comes to like my friends and family. And like, I don't know why I'm protective of Sim. I just am like sometimes she has things happen to her or people say things to her I'm like how are you gonna let that slide like how did you let that slide and I get very like up in arms for her if someone said something to me I'll just be like, okay but that's so funny because I'll do the same back especially when it comes to your money like if someone if you're like hey like I loaned this amount I'm like why <laughs> you're not gonna get it back no Look, the entire point of this episode was just to present a few ideas that we do not agree with and a few opinions that we do not agree with. Please do not 
put words in our mouths, we think that everyone should have a livable wage. (laughs) Oh my God, of course everyone should have a livable wage. Imagine a Daily Mail article coming out and just like, Simran from Girls Invest thinks that, oh, you know what, I'm I'm not even going to say it. It's going to be, I'm not putting it in the universe. Yeah, don't give them headlines, Sim, because that's what exactly that they'll put in the article. She manifested this in the episode. (laughs) Well, then it it becomes a direct quote at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to be quiet before I do any harm. So I feel like that's probably a good place to wrap up. I will be honest, I think our opinions could have been more controversial except for my last one. I think we should do another one of these and actually get into some of like our deepest, darkest, intrusive thoughts because they're there, Sonia. We have them. We need to say them. Yeah. This was so tame. This was tame. We can do better than this. I apologize. I can only apologize. We've done and recorded this now, so... <laughs> All right, before you go, have a think. What is your controversial opinion about money? Share it with a friend, say it out loud, because you might, like I kind of did today, realize that maybe you're wrong and maybe you should like have a bit of back and forth with someone else with a sane mind. You might even change your opinion. All right, until next week, Sonia. Till next week, Sim. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence.